Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, the first thing, let's do this. Uh, let's, let's ask the Lord to speak to us in a very clear way today. I just believe that God desires to meet you right where you are. I don't know what you're walking through today. don't know what's going on in your life. But I know that all of these things, God desires to transform what might be a, a difficult situation in your life or, uh, into something that becomes a beautiful situation of your life. I believe in this time also, if it's not difficult and it's feeling really good to you, I believe that he wants to even accentuate what is good to you in this moment and actually expand the idea of what can be good. He only wants good things for your life. And I believe that he wants to speak those to you through his word. Let's ask him to speak to us. Would you join me? Father, we come before you. God, as we just sing about your love, Lord, we just think about what love really is. Love is patient and kind. It shows no record of wrong. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And Lord, this is the very essence of who you are. Lord, we are so grateful to be able to talk to you as we know who we are. God, I know who I am. And yet, as I discover who you are, you're better than I thought you were yesterday. And I'm just thankful for that. I'm thankful that you've given us the word that it can uh, it speaks to us even today. And, and Lord, I just thank you so much for never leaving us, never forsaking us. Even in these moments that feel dark or feel challenging, Lord, you're in the midst of them all and you're transforming all of these things to become really good things. So there's hope on the horizon. Thank you that we have a hope today. And Lord, my prayer is for uh, those of us listening and watching that don't feel very hopeful today. Lord, I pray that you would meet uh, each person right where they are. Give them the boldness to simply call out to you. And Lord, I pray that your, uh, your overwhelming presence would cover them, encourage them, uh, and, and give them a great hope in this moment. Meet us right here, Lord, and, and illuminate to us exactly what we uh, need for the moment. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks again uh, for joining today. Uh, my prayer is that you've uh, enjoyed our challenges uh, as we've stepped closer to the people who are close in our life. For you married couples, I hear some of you guys actually trying to get seven kisses every seven minutes. That was not the challenge. Ladies, I'm really sorry, uh, but the challenge was seven kisses a day, 60-second uh, hugs, and I, I encourage you guys uh, if that are not married, would you step closer to that relationship uh, that is, uh, that's been a, a good thing in your life? Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe it's a close family member. Whoever that is, would you show some love? Um, and, and my prayer is that you discover uh, a deeper element of what love is, that love is really us giving away to somebody. It's not always getting from that person. That's really what love is about. And as you give and take in these moments of love, my prayer is that we experience a fresh sense of the real uh, love of God um, that has been extended to you. Um, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1 today. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, it's kind of toward the end of the Bible. If you're new to the conversation, man, I welcome you. I'm so thankful that you've, you've joined us again. Hey, we've been in this series called Beautiful. And if you've gotten the idea of what this series really is about, uh, it's really been about that often beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And everybody has a sense of why they believe something is beautiful. There's an underlying truth or belief that helps us uh, decipher what is truly beautiful. 
The conversation of beauty is really a conversation about what is true, though. That's really how we're defining beautiful is true. We discussed previously that uh, what we believe as truth is the most important aspect of our lives. We discussed the reason uh, that many of us uh, have received Jesus' person and message as the truth is because he made the most wild claim that anybody in the history of man has ever made. He said, I am the, the God person. I am literally the person of God who's entered this world, and here's what's going to happen in my life. He says, I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back to life. Now, this statement is either true or it's insane. There is nothing in between about this guy. He's either a truth or a absolute liar. Not a good person, a terrible person. So we've got to decide, is this guy, what he said with such passion and enthusiasm, true? Decide, is Jesus really the beautiful one? Many things are being said today. Turn on the TV, turn on the radio, turn on any social media outlet, and everybody's got an idea of what is beautiful. They speak with passion and boldness. And yet, is it truly beautiful? Thanks for joining us today. No matter where you are, what's going on in your life, I'm so excited about this conversation in particular. Man, we've got with us today, man, we have uh, ex-atheists, we have ex-agnostic, we have ex-religious people who were more fond of rules than the ruler. Uh, we've got all types of different people. We've got ex-drunks, we've got ex-junkies with us watching. And man, this message that we talk about is a message of transformation. It's something that doesn't leave us the same. And early in my life, I'd heard all about the transformative power of Jesus. The true beauty, I've heard about it. But until I personally experienced it in my life, until I personally experienced the true beauty of Jesus, the transformative power that is in Jesus, that is actually true, I, I heard about it, but maybe is what I thought. Until I experienced it, and then began to share it. And then as I began to share it, I began to see that this message, actually this message is truly the power of God that transforms people's lives, mine included. And if you're watching today and you understand what I'm saying, give somebody a high five if they're in the room, tell them you, you know, I know, and I'm so thankful, aren't you? And we want to invite you into this conversation. Here's the question. How has Jesus revealed his beauty to you? How has Jesus revealed his his beauty to you. All are welcome to this conversation. So maybe if you're needing some encouragement, step into the conversation and listen to others who have experienced the beauty of Jesus. Maybe you've never experienced Jesus and I want to welcome you in there as well to come figure it out. Come see uh, others. What are they saying? And then maybe it begins to continue the journey that you've been on, which brings you here today. Welcome. Thanks for being here. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus welcomes and changes all types of people, changes all different walks of life. It crosses all different socioeconomic boundaries. It crosses race boundaries. It crosses all the different segments of our society that have been created. The gospel transforms everyone, is available to everyone. And today we're gonna to be talking about a specific per person whose life was truly transformed. We've been talking about him for the past couple weeks, but this guy named Paul 
is the guy that wrote this letter toward the end of his life to a young man named Timothy. And he shares a great encouragement with Timothy. Check this out if you got your Bibles. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Turn there with me. Starting in verse 12, he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. Paul credits his transformation by recognizing a couple things. He recognizes, number one, he recognizes that Jesus is the judge. Do you remember we talked about last week that literally the Holy Spirit is this comforter? And the idea of the comforter was a defense attorney. Paul invites us into this courtroom experience where we have the person of God next to us as this defender who comes to our defense, who speaks a witness for us. To now he's talking about the judge being the person of Jesus who hits the gavel down, looks at Paul's life and says, faithful. Faithful in the face of what? Check verse 12 out, remember? He judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. So he states, here's the evidence against me. It piled up in this kind of way. And Jesus looks at the evidence and says, not guilty, paid for, bought, mine, friend. And in the face of this, when he has seen the true evidence and he hears the verdict against him or for him, it begins to transform his life. This verdict was the best news Paul had ever heard. He knew who he was. And yet when he found out who Jesus was, it wrecked every aspect of his life in the most beautiful kind of way. The second thing that we recognize that Paul credits his transformation by recognizing, the second thing is that Jesus' grace overflows. Verse 14 says, The grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. When I think about overflowing, I think about, I think about my cup. And if I were to fill this cup up with something that is greater than the capacity of this cup, it will pour out all over the place. That's what he's saying about grace. He's saying, it was poured into my life in a measure that I could not contain. It flowed out of my life. Jesus talked about this very thing in John chapter 15. He gave a teaching where he referred to himself as this vine. And that the people who connected to him were the branches. And he basically said that unless you connect to me, your life can't produce any kind of fruit. Just like a branch that's not connected to a vine won't produce any fruit. He's saying, listen, if you want to produce my life, you've got to be connected to me. And if you're not connected to me, you're not going to produce what my life produces. You see, some of us, our lives are producing something other than 
the life of Jesus. Well, that's, we might say, I don't know what needs to change. What should I do? I equate it like this. You can't help who knocks at your door at your house, but you can determine who comes into your house and sets up shop. I have a lot of thoughts that come to my mind, but I make a a clear decision what's going to enter in and stay there. Paul made the decision. This is later in his life, and he's talking to a young guy, and he's telling him, here's what's overflowing for me, even to this day, the grace of Jesus. He thought about it all the time. And it was this grace that he allowed to enter into his home, set up shop, stay there for good. And he thought about it often. And so when anything else would come to the door of his mind and knock, 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 and remind him, probably accuse him, he would look back into his house and he would see all that grace had set up in his house. And he says, no, I'm good. I'm good. Grace is here and it's going to stay. You see, if we understand this, then it helps us to understand maybe the people in our life that are challenging, maybe the people in our life who aren't living the life of Jesus, They've simply just allowed something. They've connected their life to something other than the grace of God. So what do they need in order to transform their life? Check this picture out. This will help even give a better explanation and example of what we're talking about today. You see it? You see at the point of conversion, you see that point of conversion? This represents the point where uh, Paul has an experience or maybe you've had an experience or I've had an experience where we see and experience the person of Jesus. As we walk the road of life, there's, a, there's an incline. And the deeper we understand the holiness of God, and then also the deeper that we have a knowledge of our sin, it expands the beauty of what the cross really stands for. It expands the beauty of what grace really is, the, the favor of what Jesus has extended to us. But see, you need both of those arms to really understand how wonderful grace really is. You see, if you get these out of whack, if you have a, a, maybe an, an over-understanding or belief or rest or trust in the holiness of God, yet I don't understand my own sin nature or my own faults and depravity, then you're going to walk into a little bit of legalism. You might experience a little bit of spiritual pride because all you see is uh, the holiness of God and you don't really see uh, your lack of meeting that standard. When that's all I recognize, that's really what my life begins to produce. So do you know somebody? Maybe it's not you. Of course it's not you, honestly. You're not ever prideful or spiritually arrogant. Not you. Somebody else is, though, right? So what do they need today? Do they need to be reminded of their sin? On the other hand, if all I think about is the growing awareness of my sinfulness, and yet I don't think about the holiness and set-apartness of God, then here's what begins to produce in our life. You're going to begin to be a guilty person, a fearful person, a shame-filled person, an insecure person, a despair person, because all you really think about is you. You're not really thinking about what God did. It's all about you. And when you look in the mirror, you see your brokenness, you see your failures. And so we've got to have a proper view of the holiness of God, yet we've got to have a proper view of, of my sin nature. And what mitigates the two? What bridges the gap is the cross. And you see, the the greater understanding I have of the holiness of God and the greater understanding I have of of my depravity, the the cross becomes even more and more wonderful in my life. So has the cross uh, lost its wonder in your life? Then I, I encourage you, just think about that picture. 
Think about it. Invite the Lord to speak to you through it. And maybe, just maybe, uh, the cross can take transformative power in your life once again. Invite God to show you again uh, what He sees, what He desires for you to experience. The gospel anchors us, and it anchors others. It anchors us also for ourselves, but it anchors us also our view of others. It helps us to see them for who they really are. You can have a deep godly wisdom in these days. As you walk with others, you can experience and you can know what they've connected their life to. You can know uh, the, the medicine that they might need. They need to experience the grace of Jesus. And this picture, I believe, can give you some wisdom in the days as you walk uh, to, together with others and as you also walk this journey uh, with the Lord. The third thing uh, that I see as the transformative um, power that, that Paul recognizes is that Jesus has a purpose. Verse 15 and 16. And this purpose is not just uh, for you and me. It, it's for Paul. It's for all of us. And, and here it is, verse 15 and 16. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is a purpose of Jesus, to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost, Paul says. But I received mercy for this reason. Here's the other purpose. That in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. What is he saying to us today? Do you know what he's saying? He's saying that Jesus Christ called out Paul, the worst. I mean, if we're given a grade, this guy's murdering Jesus' people, killing them, finding joy in it. Jesus called out the worst guy of that time in order to send you and I a message today. He said that. To display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Did you know, here's the message to you, that God desires to use you. If he calls a broken Paul, and this good news transforms a guy like that, if we're given a grade, a guy like that, and then gives him a brand new transformed heart, I mean a brand new way of living, a brand new purpose, a brand new calling, and then uses his life for more than Paul could have ever thought or imagined, God used that guy. And if God called out that kind of brokenness, I wonder you, you sitting there today, me here today, we see our brokenness. And if God called a guy like that, I promise you this word is still extending to you right where you are. Would you hear what Paul is saying to you today? That God called him out so that you would receive a message. That God uses broken people. As I was studying this passage, though, it brought me uh, full circle to what Jesus taught in Matthew 18. Very similar words and phrasing used in this story. Jesus tells a story about a, about a ruler, about a ruler who had uh, extended a large sum of money, not just a not just large, ridiculous amount of money to one of his servants. And it says that this money, sum of money, summed up to something worth 20,000 years of labor. 20,000 years of labor. That's, that's more money than I could fathom. So this servant owed the, the master, owed this king, owed this ruler 20,000 years 
the king one day decided to call the sum, call the debt, called the servant in and says, pay up. And here's what the scripture says. In verse 26 of Matthew 18, it says this. So the servant fell on his knees in this moment, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. I'll do it. I'll pay you. Can you imagine hearing this? I'll pay you back. 20,000 years of labor, I promise you. What in the world? Verse 27, though, says, and out of pity for him. That word pity is a sense where the king looked at him and felt for this guy deeply. Can you, but can you imagine what the king is feeling? The king's given 20,000 years of labor, and yet this king is looking at this guy and says, I feel your pain. I feel yours. I don't feel mine. I feel yours more than mine. And what does the king do? Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. I feel your pain. Forgiven. Can you imagine that sense of relief if you owed? Have you ever owed a large sum? Any kind of sum? I don't, I don't like to owe anything. But that feeling of I've got to pay this back can weigh heavy. And when that is removed for free, life. So what does this guy do? He enters the street screaming, thanking, telling everybody about this king, right? No, that's not what the story said. Jesus talked about that this story, this servant did something really unique. He said this servant actually enters the, the town and goes and finds somebody who owed him a hundred denarii. Now that's, honestly, I've heard this talked about often and you hear about a hundred denarii versus 20,000 years of wages. The truth is, a hundred denarii isn't nothing. A hundred denarii is a hundred days of wage. It's, it's quite a bit of money. But here's what happened. As that servant went out and found the guy who owed him a hundred denarii, he demanded that this guy pay him back. The guy said, I can't pay you back. Would you? He, he said almost the same exact words. I implore you, have patience with me. I'll pay you back. This servant who has been forgiven says that he began to choke him and said, give me my money back couldn't pay him back. So he had him thrown in a dungeon. Upon hearing this, the king said, I want to see that guy back in here now. He's brought before the king. And here's what the king said to him in verse 33. He says, should not you have shown mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay back all of his debt. Jesus said, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. From your heart. He's basically saying, unless you have the same response that king had, when you look at the person who owes you something and you have a pity, you understand them, but how can we possibly understand them? Doesn't he understand that they owe me? But haven't you been on the other side before? What needs to happen in this moment? How do we fix the situation? What's going on in your life today? 
I never believe there's an accident as we open up the word together. I have a feeling that you understand and maybe you have a situation just like this. I know I do. This speaks to my heart. And my prayer is that God opens up our eyes that we might understand that this very scene has been played out in Paul's life. And do you know what has set up shop in his life? Do you know what his life is so connected to? Which is what's pouring out of his life? You see, if this guy had just connected to the very heart of the king who had forgiven him, if he had simply received from that king, and if he had simply recognized the king, if he had simply recognized more of the 20,000 versus the 100, then it would have been transformative power in his life. You remember the picture that I showed? You see, if I have a growing understanding of the holiness of God and I have a growing understanding of my personal nature, then the cross gets bigger in my mind. And for some of us, that, that needs to grow today. But here's the truth of what the scripture says, that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. If anybody would just open the door to Jesus, it says he will enter in. Do you need to be forgiven a large debt today? If you're sitting there saying, man, I'm really afraid. I, 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 should, I should really forgive today. I really should. I, I want you to take your eyes off of yourself today and I want you to put them back on the ruler, the king. You see, the truth is that you, you are that servant who owes 20,000 years. I am too. Each one of us is. And if you implore the king today, if you invite Jesus to cover that debt, the promise is that it is covered, it's finished, it's done, it's accomplished, gavel set, faithful. And the message of this passage is, if that was extended to Paul, it's meant for you to remember and receive that this patience is extended to you today. Do you need it? Call out to Jesus. He will open. He will hit the gavel. He will judge you faithful. It is finished. It is done. Now receive. And guess what? What begins to cup, fill your cup right now will begin to overflow. The more you walk in this and receive it, it will begin to overflow from your life. But what is, what is poured into your life is meant to flow from your life. And this good news is extended to each one of us today. So here's the, the invitation. Today, if you have received this, would you continue to walk in it? But just like Paul, at the end of his life, here's what he's doing. He's writing to a young guy, and he could have wrote to him some, some great fancy idea of how the trends are happening, or here's what you should do because you have a lot to learn, little guy. But you know what he's writing, Timothy? Hey, Timothy, this is something to remember and base your life on, that Jesus Christ saves sinners of whom I am the foremost. Receive this today. And he reminds him of the patience that was extended to him then is extended also to Timothy. This is such good news that he gives away. Would you give away this good news today? I invite you now, maybe in, in, one way that you can do that is by joining us Facebook Live next. And we're just going to begin sharing how has uh, Jesus impacted us? How has he transformed your heart? Encourage somebody today by sharing your story next on Facebook Live. And I want to invite every single one of us to the conversation. Might something begin in that place uh, where we extend to somebody else an encouragement of the truth and beauty of what Jesus has poured into each one of us? My prayer is uh, that it fills and overflows from you today. This beauty was meant to flow 
to you and through you. This is truly the beautiful life. Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation today. And my prayer is uh, that you have a fresh encounter of Jesus' beauty today. I love you, fam. We'll talk soon.